Welcome to Canucks After Dark. Here are your hosts, Parker Hallowell and Clay Emo. Good evening, Vancouver, and welcome back to Canucks After Dark. And folks, the Vancouver Canucks have not lost a game since we last spoke to you. And I think that might be the first time that has ever happened, except for the offseason, uh, as uh, the Canucks are going on a nice little run here. And as always, joined by my co-host, Canuck Clay. How are you doing tonight, Clay? Parker, do you even have to ask how I'm doing? <laughs> I'm going to guess you're doing pretty good. <laughs> I am. I am. And I hope you are well as well. You are looking and sounding better than last week. You were you were a true trooper last week. Yeah, I'm feeling a lot better. Uh, I'm, I'm definitely on the upswing. I've got more energy. I was able to talk for like two hours today without dying. Uh, <laughs> so we are uh, we're back in business. I am tired, but hey, you know what? The, I got some Canucks wins to talk about, so I'll yes. be okay. Hey, do uh, people we'll at work, by the way, you talk about two hours. I presume you're talking about work that yeah. you had to do. Do people at work know that you are and like the hottest thing on YouTube right now? Or they have no clue. They Seriously. Have no, no idea. And I'm going to keep it that way for a while. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, I, I don't really tell anyone about it, but Hey, oh. uh, it's all good. I'm the opposite. My Bishop sees me in my connection Jersey going to the game and he'll say, oh, are you going to your real job now? I say, well, then pay me more. No, I don't say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll quit if you double my salary. Exactly. Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, we do have three games to talk about. The Canucks won their first game on this four game trip uh, on Monday. Last Monday, we did a show that night, which yes. was a very fun show. Our biggest show ever on Canucks After Dark that brought us over the 1,000 subscriber mark. So thank you very much uh, to you. all of you who uh, who have joined in and subscribed. Um, so we have three games to talk about, two shootout wins and a win last night against Carolina. Uh, of course, there was some other big news that happened this week in Jim Rutherford getting hired as the president of Hockey Ops here. So we're going to dive into that a little bit. Um, and I mean, not much else happened, really. I think that that's no. the big stuff. But we'll talk about a couple other things. We'll take your questions later on in the show. You guys know the deal at this point. Clay, where do you want to get started tonight? Well, I actually put up the one finger on purpose, and it was the right finger. By getting over 1,000 subscribers, and yes, thank you to everyone. We appreciate it. It was a pretty quick, actually, ascent over the past few weeks. Does that mean, I'm not saying they have to, but does that mean we people can actually donate now and super chat and all that it's kind of all stuff? it's all on the table we're not gonna we're not gonna push nope. for it no nope, because nope, again nope. you know you guys are fairly generous to our own shows that we do uh, yes. on our own our own live streams but it is all enabled uh we have a poll running that is asking will the canucks ever lose again both options are no no is winning with 100 percent of the vote uh so the vancouver canucks will never lose again keep that in mind um as we go um canucks are now 12 15 and 2 is that right that's is, correct. Is that the right record? Uh, 12, 15, and two after four straight wins, winning six of the last seven wow. games. It all started uh, last Monday, Bruce Boudreaux's first game behind the Canucks bench. The Canucks took down the LA Kings in pretty dominant fashion, a 4 nothing game, which we already discussed. But we then had uh, the Canucks and Bruins on Wednesday, December 8th. This was about 10 days after the Canucks had lost to the Bruins in Boston, a 3-2 loss there. Uh, and this felt like the, you know, it was it was the first real test, right, under Bruce Boudreaux. It was one where it was like, all right, we got the Bruins. They're not the best team in the world. They're not the the team that they once was, um, but they are are still a solid team. Um, and it got a little scary, but 
the Canucks do pull this one out. Yeah, it was nice to see them win. Um, I, I guess the one thing before we talk about how well they played and how good of a game it was is what's this? What's up with Brad Marchand injuring all our defensemen, man? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to say Brad Marchand might not be a very good guy is going to be my <laughs> my hot take. And uh, yeah. yeah, it's uh, it keeps happening. Because, uh, <laughs> yes, he uh, he slew foots OEL, serves his suspension, comes back coincidentally against the Canucks then OEL I think he played this game but he hasn't played since right or did he even play this game I don't know if he did play in this I don't remember I, yeah. I am drawing a total blank but, uh, but I am wondering if there's some remnants of that Slufa yeah right? he is still out uh, unfortunately <sighs> we'll get to that uh, of course more later yeah. and we'll talk about yeah. this this defense that the Canucks are sort of fielding <laughs> as a team right now um, but this game was was one of those games that uh, the Canucks came out they were aggressive and that has been, at least for me, when I've been talking about these this last week or so, that's sort of my key word for this mm. team and how they're playing is just a, a whole nother level of aggression. They're faster on pucks. They're more aggressive. They're hitting people. They're they're shooting the puck a little bit more, even though you know may not totally correlate on the shot counter. Um, but it was a it was a good game. It was a fun game, and it was the first fun game of the three games we're going to cover. And yeah, they're they're all fun. And you're right, OEL did not play that night. Um, so that was the one where is that the one where Miller passed it through a guy's legs to Besser and he tipped it in? Yeah. Um, so we had we had JT Miller sort of firing one from the the near wall, the right hand wall at the stick of Besser. Besser tipped it over the glove of Swayman mm. uh, to make it one nothing. About five minutes to go in the second period, uh, a power play goal. Uh, Boston tied it up about five minutes into the third, also on the power play. Similar um, tip as well. Yeah, a, a yeah. similar play, and it's it's Patrice Bergeron uh, scoring mm. for Boston in the nice little fishbowl that he was uh, he was rocking there. Um, <laughs> and then we get uh, this is, you know, this is me starting to care again and mm -hmm. and having that little inkling of hope, where as the third period's winding down and. You know, uh, we, I mean, we had Tanner Pearson flipping a puck over the glass. I, I don't know if you remember that. That <laughs> yeah. made me mad, uh, which got instantly negated because Jason Dickinson drew a penalty. Um, but, you know, like the last six minutes or so of this game, I'm just pacing. I'm like, get the point. <laughs> get the point. At least get the point. Come on. You know, if they're going to put something together, you got to at least get a point tonight. Yeah. And they did. They survived the third period uh, where Boston had 16 shots in the third period. They make it to overtime. They, they get through OT, which I think that OT felt like kind of a, a bit of a snooze fest. Like both teams are kind of playing for a shootout almost, if yeah, I remember correctly. Especially compared to the Friday one, which we'll get to. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And then we go to a shootout and we have, you know, and it's like, all right, are the like, we have Elias Pettersson up first for the Canucks. And it's like, okay, hey, yeah. it does he, is he getting that confidence back? And he like totally flubs his deke. Oh, yeah. Man. Just right, deked it right into the pads. <laughs> right into the pads and then Demko stops Pasternak. Then we have JT Miller who always does like the go in the left side, mm -hmm. slowly cut across and then eventually yeah. do something. It works. He scores uh, a really nice goal. Um, yeah. And then coil was stopped, which gave Horvat the chance to win it. And uh, Horvat just shelved it. And yeah, he doesn't, uh, he doesn't deke. Does he, he just no, like he a just, quick wrist shot. Yeah. He just finds it. He finds a spot. He hits the spot. And I mean, if you can, if you can put the puck where you want to go, it's going to yeah. work uh, nine yeah. times out of 10. So um, Canucks win it two one in a shootout two for three in the, uh, in the shootout. And uh, 
the Canucks are then at that point two and zero under Bruce Boudreaux, and that is Stan Smeal's last game as interim GM, a perfect two and zero. So bravo, Stan Smeal. Amazing, amazing, never to be replicated again, probably. Well, I will tell you right now, Jim Rutherford is also two and zero. So, oh, that's true. So if he gets fired before tomorrow night's game, then we'll <laughs> <laughs> then we'll have the same scenario. That's got to be record two. Uh, not that he's going to get fired, but yeah, can you imagine having two GMs going two and zero in one season? That'd be crazy. Of one, two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> um. So that was a good game. Uh, yes. You know, the, the Canucks played well, and again, that sort of aggressiveness, and it was uh, against a team that is, you know, on paper at least the way the Canucks have been playing this season. It's a team that they should lose to like if you just if you just put it in a simulator Canucks lose yep. that game more than they win that game but right. they they kept up with the Bruins they they played a good game and they come out and they get the win and then they just carry that momentum forward mm-hmm. which takes us to what was that game Friday Friday um, hosting Winnipeg Friday mean. hosting Winnipeg a team that the Vancouver Canucks cannot beat at home seemingly uh, until now, did they be, have they beat them twice at home this yeah, year? They beat them three, two on November 19. And now, yeah. Yeah. So the Canucks are two and oh against the jets at home this year, <laughs> which has probably never happened. I, yeah. I can guarantee you it's never happened. Um, <laughs> and the Canucks go into uh, a bit of a, I mean, I was going to say a shootout, uh, for back of a lack of a better term, but I mean, it was a, a high scoring game, an exciting game. Um, and I mean, well, I mean, we'll start from the top and it's Niels Hoaglander. Uh, was his first goal the good one? Yes. Very good. Where he his, fell. Yeah. Yeah. His first goal just in the middle of the ice, like sort of shrugs off a defender, traps the puck, brings it to the backhand and like shelves it uh, nice. past past Comrie, um, which was sick. Um, sick first goal. And then the, the Jets answered. It was Blake Wheeler um, with a goal. Um, Blake Wheeler was so scary in that game. If I that if whole, I remember correctly, that whole he had, like. I think in like a four minute span there, he had like three or four high danger chances. Um, and then Niels Hoaglander scored again. I don't remember Hoaglander's second goal. What I happened do. That, it was actually uh, against the flow of the play. It was right after Wheeler got his three or four chances. The Canucks oh, yeah. go the other way. And he does, I think it was a wrist shot that went off of. Um, he shot Tom it right off of the, the pad of the glove yes. and it just popped over and in. And those Man, are killers. 20, 20 seconds left in the period. You, you love them when you score them. You hate it when you give those up. But now Hoaglander's got uh, two goals in the first period, and we're all ready to chuck our hats on the, if you're wearing a hat. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, if you get scored on with like six minutes left in a period, right? You have <laughs> the rest of the period to at least sort of forget about it and move on. Like if you if you go into the first intermission, you're down two one, you're like, all right, hey, you know what? We're only down one. We can get right back in it. But yeah. if it's one one, then you get scored on with 20 seconds left. You don't really have the chance to sort of get over it. Right. And you're just like, oh. Man, yep. like we were so close. Like 20 more seconds, we survive. It's a one-one game. You're just mm-hmm. deflated. It really can kill the mood. So I love it when we do it to other teams as opposed to it happening to us. Yes. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, second period kicks off with a uh, with a Kyle Connor goal. I do want to mention before that, Elias Pettersson ripped one off the crossbar with like oh. a that Detroit Red Wings game esque slap shot from the left yes. side. Oh, that would have been sick. Um, but yeah, this one, I think this one was all chase on, wasn't it? If I remember correctly, he just lost Kyle Connor. Yeah. Um, by the way, chase on did not play the next game after that. So do with that what you will. <laughs> um, but then the Canucks scored, I think a minute later, uh, Connor Garland just, just went back and answered, got a breakaway, uh, yeah. JT Miller, a little stretch pass, faked backhand, uh, just dangled Comrie. 
so nice. And it was kind of a, a prelude, uh, a foreshadowing of what we would see in the shootout, which we'll get to in a second. But yes, a beautiful goal, really good. You know, uh, I've always joked about how bad I am a hockey player, but it's not really a joke. The joke is me. But uh, I don't think I'd even have the wherewithal to stay onside or even get the puck at the right. <laughs> it was just, it was, it, he made it look easy, but I'm sure there's some skill there, right? Um, laterally moving, getting the puck, staying onside, and then making those really, really quick moves in, t in tight against Comrie. It was beautiful, beautiful goal. Absolutely. Um, and then, uh, oh, well, I also forgot to mention. Um, actually, did I forget to mention? No, it hasn't happened yet. Um, <laughs> because uh, the Jets tied it uh, yes. about nine minutes to go in the second period, um, where Kyle Connor made some nice moves. The entire Canucks team looked at this side of the ice, and then Shaifu yep. was over here, and yep. he just scored because no one was paying attention. And then the and then they scored again. Remember that the Jets the Jets led this game four to three at one point because they piled on the pressure. The Canucks defense just couldn't get the puck out of the zone. Yep. Uh, there was like a huge giveaway, and then uh, the rebound just goes to to Andrew Kopp, who taps it in, and Boudreau just says, "No, I'm going to challenge it." He says, yep. "I'm going to challenge this for goalie interference." And goalie interference challenges don't work, right? Yeah. I hate them because they almost always like it has to be egregious for it to get overturned, and if it doesn't, yeah. you get a penalty. Right. Double whammy. So, yeah. yeah. So it's like, man, like, are the, is he really sure. going to risk it? Like it's a four, three game. The Canucks will probably score another one. They've scored a lot of goals tonight. Like <laughs> you really want to risk it. Um, and then you look at the replay and it's like, oh yeah, he got a knee, like kind of to the body. Like he was, he couldn't have, increased, he probably yeah. wouldn't have made the save. Like he probably yeah. couldn't have made the save, but he didn't get the chance to. And right. that's why it didn't count. So yeah. uh, yeah. goes two for two on challenges. Nice. And then um, before we get to the, the shootout and the, the crazy overtime, the Connor goal and the Shifley goal, very similar. A cross-ice pass um, where the defensive coverage, actually, this is the one game, I think, the outlier to me from a standpoint of poor defense. I know we'll probably talk about how good Pullman and 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 uh, what the Myers were last night, but on Friday night, they're pretty bad, actually. Yeah, yeah, the defense was not great, and I had Tucker Pullman in my in my notes for this one. I had good or bad. <laughs> I had Tyler Myers, Tucker Pullman, and Tanner Pearson in my minus column uh, for this game um, yeah. because it was it was pretty rough. Uh, was. And yeah, I mean that it seems to be the only way that that Demko is getting beat. Right? Yeah. Are these like cross ice plays? Uh, he's not getting beat easily. He had because he let in that one goal on Wheeler, which he probably should have saved if I remember correctly. And then, like two minutes later, he absolutely robbed Wheeler on that like two on one that he like stretched over with the glove. And I was yes. like, "All right, that makes up for it. That's fine. You're you're even." Um, yeah, but yeah, that overtime. Oh, was it was insane. so It was so fun, man. I have, I have like eleven lines of things that happened in overtime in a five minute period. Like I, I took notes as it was going. I have like eleven different things. Give me a couple. Uh, of them. So we had. Uh, Tanner Pearson giveaway leading to a two on one that Tyler Myers broke up really well. Yeah. Uh, then the Canucks went three on two the other way. Then Dubois was in all by himself and he put it wide. And yeah. then Tyler Myers and Tanner Pearson went on a rush and they both got stopped. Uh, and that was on the first two minutes. <laughs> uh, then we had um, Winnipeg get a bunch of chances. There was a Kyle Connor shot blocked, then a Morrissey shot, then Kyle Connor who got one through Demko that like changed direction a little bit that just enough for it to catch the post. Yep. And then we had a Nick Ehlers breakaway uh, and then Ehlers took a penalty uh, and then uh, the Canucks did nothing on the power play. Yeah. And we that was kind of it. 
that was so maddening, Parker, because they they the overtime was back and forth, and then you have forty nine seconds. You have a full, almost a full minute, four on three with your four most talented offensive guys and Hughes, Miller, Bester, and Pedersen. And correct me if I'm wrong. Did they even get a shot? They had one. It was a Quinn Hughes shot that was okay. like no traffic and right at the chest. Yeah. And that's the time. Like I know you've played hockey. I pretend to play hockey. We've talked about it before. You can't just simply shoot it every time you get it because it might get blocked. It might go the other way. But four on three at the end of a game, I think you got to take that chance. I really do. Yeah, and there's so many. There's always going to be an open guy, four on three. There's always so much ice, right? There's only seven guys out there. There's normally 10, and 10 guys can fit in one zone. And now you only have seven, right? You can make plays. You can find an open guy. You can skate to open space. But they were just passing it around the outside, not doing anything, not trying to make anything special happen. Yeah. Um, almost as if, you know, they, they, they seem to be comfortable going to a shootout. And I mean, why wouldn't you when yeah. you have Thatcher Demko back there? Um, yeah. and I mean, this shootout, it starts with Elias Pettersson again. And I'm thinking, all right, you know, and they, they even mentioned on the broadcast, they said, maybe he should just go in and, and rip a clapper from the hash marks, right? <laughs> a la Brian Rolston, right? Just go in, rip a clapper because the Deeks aren't working. Yeah. And then what he goes in and does the Forsberg to perfection. And it's yeah. disgusting and it's beautiful. Um, and just like the smile and like the whole bench. Did you see the, did you see Tyler Myers reaction on the bench? Yeah. Yeah. It yes. was oh, I saw that. so yeah. good. Um, and it was one of those signs that just felt like he's sort of back. Right. And yeah. I mean, like he's not back all the way, but, but it was great. Uh, and then, and then no one else scored because yeah. Thatcher Demko's a wall. Yeah, and it's interesting, and we, we talked about this about five minutes ago or, or five or ten minutes ago. The fact that Garland was able to deke out Comrie from in tight, you know, if I'm sure these guys are really smart. They observe every single thing, and maybe if Petey was on the fence about what movie he was going to do, he said that he knew he was going to do that, but maybe he knew he was going to do that because he knew that he could also deke out Comrie. Comrie's not the biggest guy. You know, he's a decent goalie. All these guys are at least good they're in the mm. nhl but uh, i truly think that he saw what garland could do and he said nah, i can do a similar type of move and beat him and he did he's the only guy who scored in the shootout thank goodness yeah yeah he uh he made it work and yeah he was the only one that really made a move right uh <laughs> yeah. miller miller had a backhand that went off the post off of Comrie, and then stopped on yeah. the goal line basically yeah and then yeah. horvat just took a shot that didn't yep. go in um yeah. but hey i mean if it works it works you know what Horvath should do? Actually, well, Horvath went one for two. It's not like he fails miserably on the shootouts. You know when he's so good with his uh, inside out or outside in move? Yeah. He should just do that on a penalty shot, even though there's no defender. Yeah, just, just like go. drag it to one side, then pull it quickly to the forehand and go upstairs or something. Like, just confuse the goalie. There's a D-man there. That's exactly. Great. That's yeah, that's might, might work. That's why I'm not a coach, but that's what I would recommend. <laughs> You just ask them like, "Hey, can someone come play defense for this one?" Like, you you pull out Quinn Hughes or something, and he just skates backwards while you're on your penalty I love shot. It. I think we're onto something, man. I think we're onto something. This is the, the a good play. Um, and that takes us to last night, a game that I didn't think the Canucks were going to win. Yeah. I this seemed like okay, this is the time the streak ends, right? Yeah, they get Carolina. Sure, Carolina's on a back to back. Mm-hmm. Um, sure, they they just lost. Uh, they are like Sebastian Ajo couldn't play, yeah, um, which is unfortunate for them. But I mean, the Canucks don't have Oliver Ekman Larson, they don't have Travis Hamanick. Um, they're on this long run, and it's it's not going to be sustainable. They're going to lose at some point. Um, and 
And my my thought was the Canucks are going to have to outscore their problems here. And they yeah. score two goals and win. <laughs> That's nuts. Yeah, I I was um I was at the game with my season ticket partner Mike and my regular seats and then my son Sean texted me and he just says four words Carolina is so fast because they are yeah they are they are and they were they, are, they didn't look yeah. as fast as they normally did last night but they mm-hmm. are they are fast and that yeah. that's been their mo I mean they're they were nineteen six and one coming into that game basically top of the league like just under it yeah um but again another disallowed goal early uh, where Svechnikov put the stick into the sky and, and batted it down. Um, so you mean the left chop is not an allowable move in the, no, yeah, no, okay. I, they, they say it's like shoulder or the crossbar. I don't think like three feet above your head is allowed. Uh, unfortunately it would have been cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. but it's, uh, I mean, it's all the right people scoring here, right? Late in the first period, we have Brock Besser getting a seventh of the year, his third goal in four games. Yeah. Um, uh, for Miller and Pearson with a minute and a half to go. And yep. it's a shot, right? I mean, it's Tanner Pearson kind of like poking it to Besser, who kind of pokes it to Miller, gives it back to Besser. Uh, and he just shoots it. And it's a great shot, sort of far post, just inside the post. Most goalies aren't saving that once that quick. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's just, it just, it feels like Brock Besser is Brock Besser again. Yeah, not only is the, the yes, the Besser shot was really good, especially compared to the tip that he did on Wednesday night. This was an actual shot. But the other thing that was really cool about the Sparkers, I've always said that JT Miller is is such an underrated passer. He is such a good hockey IQ that, uh, especially from the goal, the circles down, even from the goal line area, which that pass was from, he is so good, such great vision. And and Besser, I think, even joked in the post game, he said he knew. He just knew that that was give and go. Um, he knew Miller was going to get it back to him. So he just got ready to shoot it. Yeah. The one exception is on the power play when he's on the far wall and he tries to <laughs> I mean, sauce it across everybody. Yes. That's but the I one think, exception. <laughs> well, I think there's something in the water because Besser tries that. PD is so maddening. But yeah, let's, let's stay yeah. positive at least for now. Yes, I'm with you. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then we get um, the Canucks scoring, you know, but again, about seven and a half minutes into the second period. And and it's it's Tyler Myers. Just he does this every like six games <laughs> where he's just like, I am going to push the puck way away from everybody with my yep. eight foot long hockey stick and just sort of swerve back and forth past everybody. And suddenly it's a four on two where they, he just sort of taps it to Garland who finds Pedersen as the trailer. They yeah. get enough depth that draws the defenseman down and, and Pedersen just shoots it. He just shoots it. He's got his, he's got a stick back. He just shoots it over the glove of Ronta. It's two one. Uh, were you chanting? Were you on in on the Bruce? There it is chance. Of course, that I actually grew up. I was alive when that song was popular. In fact, I I would dance in my you know homie G jeans and everything that song. So yes, I was chanting for sure. Yeah, no, and I mean he mentioned after the game he's like that stupid song or whatever. But he's, I mean, come on. Actually, Parker, I have a question for you and for the, maybe um, type this in the chat. You don't have to type it up as a poll, but I'm just curious. Honestly, do you think that Boudreaux actually knows the songs it's referring to? The what there it is, what there it is, or do you think he just thinks the fans made that chant up? What do you actually no, think? I think I think he knows. I think he's he's trying to be kind of humble, um, right? Like he's trying to sort of push it off and be like, look, it's the players that are going out there and, right. and playing well, right? Like I'm just right. standing on the bench, right? Yes. Um, which is kind of fair, but also like the team looks entirely different, yes. um, which is which is the big key there. Um, and then yep. that takes us. What happens after that? Um, they get one. 
yeah, nothing else really happens in the second period. Uh, Carolina puts some pressure on. Uh, and then, yeah, they make it a, a one-goal game. Uh, it's sort of the aggressive attempt to hold the line from Kyle Burrows. It hops mm-hmm. over his stick. It's a two-on-one. Brad Hunt is your last man back, which isn't an ideal scenario. Uh, misses the pass. Natchez makes a nice little move. Yes. Um, and I'm Well, getting, that's how you say his name. I think so, yeah. And normally, I would have been getting really nervous here if I didn't already know the result before I watched it because uh, I, I was at a hockey game last night. Um, but yeah, like I was, this is, this felt like, okay, you know, the Carolina's going to get a power play and then they're going to score and then they were going to hang on to go to overtime and a shootout again. And, you know, mm-hmm. um, but they didn't, Horvat did take a penalty. The one penalty oh. the Canucks took last night, um, but they killed it off. Demko made some saves. Uh, and I mean, the Canucks just, just hang on to win. That power play was scary because, um, it being there, we saw it happening. The whole team got hemmed in, all four penalty killers, and only Miller got off for Pod Colson. So some of those killers were out there for almost the entire two minutes. That was that was pretty scary for sure. Yeah, and it, it it had all the feelings of like, okay, it's it's bound, one's bound to go in here. Yes. Um, also, I do love Pod Colson going for the empty net and getting absolutely <laughs> decked, and so Carolina bad. almost scored the other way. <laughs> like was... it was it was quick enough that that would have been in the highlight too. Yeah. And it's like, oh, you hate that. Um, Don't you think if this was last week before all the changes, that would have been a goal for sure. Oh, right? absolutely. <laughs> and they would have scored another one before time expired. Like it would have been, they would have scored two quick ones. They would have won in regulation. It's the most Canucks thing ever. Yeah. If that would have happened, if that would, but yeah. And then did you see the the fist bump video at the end? And he asked, Boudreaux asked Paco's if he was okay. That yeah, was good. yeah. Yeah. It's, it's great. Um. So Canucks survive uh, this game. Their only regulation win in the past week, other than that Monday game that we already sort of mm-hmm. went over last week. Uh, and just so much good stuff to talk about here. And and I, I, I talked about a lot of it last night. And, and I mean, I still have my list here. So I want your like your big your big keys to the week. Like you watch this week. What yeah. are your overall thoughts? My overall thoughts is. I don't think the Canucks quit on Travis Green. I think they have too much pride to do so, but I do think he lost the room and he wasn't he wasn't able to make changes. You're always going to get um, a shot in the arm with with new a breath of fresh air or whatever word you want to use with Boudreaux coming in. But I think very quickly he made a couple of tweaks to their games where there was a forechecking system or an aggressiveness on the penalty kill. So it was Boudreaux that instills new systems that leads to confidence. And I think it's those three things and they all work hand in hand. It actually all traces back to Boudreaux. To me, that's what I see. I see a team that's more structured and therefore they're playing with much more confidence. And that's why they're able to beat a team like Carolina um, at home. So those are the things I see. And then of course, the, the whether it's a mic'd up with Connor Garland or you see Besser smiling. So from ear to ear after he scores, it seems like the Canucks are fun, uh, having fun. And I think they believe, and we can get into the math later. It's still not the... The, the prettiest picture, but yeah, I'd much rather win four in a row than lose four. <laughs> yes. We've had the lose four already. We've been yeah. there. I think we did a show already once where the Canucks hadn't won between shows, which oh, it's that's, just, it's just sad. Uh, there's no sad, fun yeah. there. No one's going to show up for that. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean that, that does seem to be it. Right. And it's not like they're, they've even had like enough time to instill these like systems. Right. Sure. But it's sort of just an overall identity. And it's like the and it's like a theme that was instilled, not necessarily a system. It's a theme mm-hmm. of we're going to 
go after the puck as hard as we can, no yep. matter what, and you're going to get off right when you're done, right? Yes. If it's on the penalty kill, we're going to we're going to have one penalty kill in this game against Carolina and we're going to have eight different forwards out during it. Like that's crazy, right? You're having 20 seconds and new guys are on. New guys are on. Yeah. You're not dumping it and then waiting for guys to come in. New guys on, pressure. Come off, new guys on, right? It's this it's this mentality that and the the issue is everyone has to buy into it. Because mm. it, if someone gets lazy, other people start to get lazy. And it, it's it's a real like everyone really has to buy in. And and that's a big thing about coaching, right? It seems that Bruce Boudreaux has really gotten everyone to buy into this idea of, hey, what we were doing before wasn't working. Let's go as hard as we can and let's make our own luck, right? Let's go out there and, and work harder than the other team, get shots, get hits, do all this stuff. And hopefully mm -hmm. it works. And it has so far. Great points, Parker. And two other things I'd like to point out. I think one of them, the guys that are scoring right now are the guys that should be scoring. Besser, Pedersen, Miller, Garland, and Lamico had one in there. But really, it's the big guns that are scoring. That's that's what I like to see. I think Boudreaux is going to ride his horses, so to speak. And um, and therefore, more minutes means more opportunities to score. The other thing is, um, uh, I aside from the, the, the scary Winnipeg game, Got to give props to this defense that are doing it without two of their top four in OEL and, and Hamnick. Myers and Pullman, as much as they had a poor game on Friday, they were beasts yesterday. Didn't Pullman block seven shots or something? Seven shots he was credited. I think one was generous because he <laughs> scored it. It was, it was a pass that he blocked. Okay. Uh, okay. It was like a pass to the back door. But hey, you know, the, I think, yeah, it was like they credited him with three or, yeah, three block shots. Because remember, Shorty said on the broadcast that Pullman had four blocked shots with about three minutes left. Okay. And then I looked after and he had seven. So he, he blocked, he was out there the entire, like last two minutes, blocked three shots, wow. um, which is great. Yeah. Seven blocks is, is a crazy high number. And for all of the grief I've given Pullman and, and sort of everyone as a whole has, has given Pullman because he hasn't been great so far. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. Last night, he was really good when he had to be. Uh, they needed him to be good. They needed Tyler Myers to be good. And Tyler Myers has been really good. Yeah. Uh, surprisingly lately, Quinn Hughes is only getting better. Um, Kyle Burroughs is holding his own. Luke Shen is actually good. Um, Brad Hunt, I am not very confident on, but yeah. he's sort of my one guy that like, Hey, well, once we can get Hamannick or OEL or Rathbone into the lineup, yeah. take Hunt out, then I think we're okay. You're right. The the pecking order, re the reverse pecking order, so to speak. Once guys come back, Hunt falls off first because he was the last to come in, yeah. and then and then that's probably, of course, Burroughs, and then then you're back to your normal top six, and then I guess Shen would be next. But we'll worry about that later. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, yeah, Shen has been impressive. Oh yeah. Um, and I mean, on the on the forward side, yeah, you mentioned the the big guns are scoring. The guys who need to score are scoring. Right. We have. The game from Elias Pettersson last night, which was much more Elias Pettersson-esque, right? Mm -hmm. He draws the only penalty that Carolina takes uh, just using his speed and his effort, right? Guy holds him because he had to. Um, we have him, you know, firing shots. We have him hard on the forecheck, hitting people. Like, uh, Elias Pettersson is looking so much different than he did you know, a week and a half ago, even a week ago. Right. I mean, I mean, the, the, the big game that everything <laughs> broke was nine days ago. That's so crazy. Yeah. yeah and, and like the yeah. mentality's changed so much. It's so crazy too. Cause um, obviously it, you know, what's strange is they actually beat Montreal and Ottawa heading into that game. So they've, it's not, they've won four in a row. They've won six out of the last seven and three of those were under green. Uh, sorry. Two of those wins were under green. 
Yeah, the Canucks were what six fourteen and two. <laughs> like they were now they're now they're twelve fifteen and two, right? Like six of the last seven is big. Um yeah. and it and it really it can really, you know, start to bring that hope back up, right? You know, Bruce yeah. Boudreaux said, you know, win the week, right? Yeah. You win enough weeks, eventually you're back in it. But if you can go out there and go four and oh in a week, I mean that's just gravy, right? That that means you can afford yeah. to lose a week later. Um, so if they can keep this up and the schedule is a little scary coming up here. Mm -hmm. I think I heard, um, on the post game as I, as I was driving home last night on, on six they yeah. mentioned like nine of the next Canucks, 18 games are against teams that are top 10 in the NHL right now. Right. right? So they have basically the entire top 10 of the NHL in their next 18 games. So this is the real test. This was a good test, right? All at home, but a lot of teams on back to backs, um, good teams though, Boston, Carolina, Winnipeg. Um, yeah. but now yeah. they, now they're getting, you know, they're getting the, the Toronto's of the world. They're, they're getting some, some scary teams here pretty soon. Eventually, you know, start of the new year, they get the Panthers, the lightning, the hurricanes, the capitals all in a row, yes. right? That's going to be, there's going to be some, some scary times in there. If, uh, if they don't pull out some wins. I've heard that stat too about um, the strength of their opponents, but I do think December there's still some Winnipeg games because they're uh, win winnable games because you got a Kraken game in there, you have another one against the Kings, two against the Sharks, and uh, one against Arizona. So in the remaining nine games, imagine this, Parker. Imagine if the Canucks go six and three, which is not out of the realm of possibility. Mm -hmm. They go six and three. They're can you believe this? They're back at five hundred to start the new year, right? And, and then, then we're you, talking we're talking about a yeah. team that needs to win like six games more than it loses the way out right like it's right. like the math gets a lot easier once yeah. you if you go on a good run here and again it is a big ask for them to go six and three right they could just as easily go three and six <laughs> right they they, it, it, and then everything's off the rails again but mm -hmm. you know who knows maybe maybe it works out wow wow i got a funny feeling just thinking about it yeah, in a, in I mean, a good look, way. the math isn't great, right? No. The like, you know, there's still a team that is 12, 15 and two. They yeah. are still, I mean, there's no games on tonight, which is surprising. Um, but the Canucks are have 26 points. They're six points out of a playoff spot. But yeah. like the Oilers have games in hand. Everyone has right. games in hand. That's ahead of them, basically. So Parker, um, the way I figured out if, if they if they go six and three. So let's say they're at 500 at the end of this then they're 38 points in 38 games, right? Technically, they got to go, actually, they got to go two or three games over 500 in each of the four months because you need 94 points, which is 12 points over 500, right? Mm -hmm. So they, yeah. technically, they got to win 12. So they they basically got to go two or three games over 500 for each of the four months, which when you break it down like that, it's, it's not impossible, but it's still a big... It's not easy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think the Athletic has them up to 3%. Uh, so what are they at now? Three. They were at one. <laughs> They're now at three. Um, Dang, I was. But again, I mean, dishes. you know, you, you think about it. It's it doesn't wait these last four games more than the the previous of games, course. right? Which is fair. Um, yes. Us, we are going to wait these last four games more. Yeah. One recency bias. Two, new coach, new GM, new just a new feeling, right? So, so we are going to say, well, I think because selfishly, I want this to be true that this team we're seeing now is the team we're going to get the rest of the way. And it, and yes. then you think, okay, this is a team that can pull some, pull something out and at least make it interesting down the stretch. Is it, and is it crazy Parker? Then it show as we talk about that, they have to do this, they have to do this just to make the playoffs. 
that just shows how much of a hole they put themselves in so early. It's yeah. crazy. Yeah, six and fourteen is <laughs> you know they they had won six out of sixteen games when we did one of these shows. Uh, I I distinctly remember. I think that was my uh, was that a thumbnail? If I if I look here, we had one that was six wins, thirteen losses was a thumbnail. And then we did our next show when they had six wins and like 16 losses or whatever. Oh. It was. So yeah, it was, uh, it was a, a tough, uh, some tough sledding there. I'll save this for when we talk about Jim Rutherford, but I, um, I, I'll just say it's probably, we always say this, the truth is somewhere in the middle. We weren't as bad as those 20 game show, but we're, I don't know. Are we as good as a four and team this past? Maybe we are. I don't know, uh, but that's Rutherford's yeah. job to figure that out. Right. Yeah, and I mean, we can get into that now. I think, sure. I think we're right about that time uh, that we can talk about Jim Rutherford uh, being brought in as president of hockey operations. When did this happen? Was this Thursday? Was Friday? Thursday? Thursday they announced it. Yeah. Thursday. So this was three days after the uh, after Francesco Aquilini said they were going to do a long, exhaustive search. Um, Very and exhaustive. I think it came out today that, like, I don't think it was, you know, I think someone just sort of reported it that, like Jim Rutherford was Jim Benning's guy from the or was Francesco Aquilini's guy. And he, he didn't fire Jim Benning until he had already, like he was waiting until he got a yes from Jim Rutherford before hiring Jim Benning. So this whole long and exhaustive search thing for the GM, maybe, but this part was sort of a, a facade. Uh, it seems like, but um, that's besides the point. Let's talk yeah. about uh, Jim Rutherford hall of fame builder. Uh, mm-hmm. has spent forever in the NHL. Um, how long has he been a GM? Like well, uh, forever? Did, I think yeah. literally forever is the is the correct terminology, right? Didn't he do close to 20 years in Carolina? Yeah, I think that's that's correct. Hart- Hartford, Carolina, 20 years and then seven years in Pittsburgh. So that's a long time. That's longer than you've been born. I mean, it, it is. Not born alive. By, by a lot. Uh, <laughs> like, okay, yeah. So he took over as Hartford's president and gm in 94 95 yeah right so 20 years which is before i was born uh he was there until 2014 and then he moved over to to pittsburgh where he's been uh until january when he resigned uh and then now he is here um as of four days ago yeah so a few things um I will say it'll be interesting if they ever sort out the timeline between Smeal, Rutherford, Benning, Green, Boudreaux, because it, it's kind of confusing to figure out in, until you realize that, yes, Benning was talking, I mean, it's Benning, uh, that Aquilini was talking to Rutherford all along. And Rutherford even said in his press conference that he today that he actually delayed his yes, but, but Aquilini was willing to wait for him. Having said all that, Yes, he led the Carolina Hurricanes to a Stanley Cup as a GM. He led uh, Pittsburgh Penguins to two Stanley Cups as a GM. So you can't argue with three cups. And whether you're GM, president, whatever, you're you're part of building something special. The, the biggest takeaway for me today, Parker, was it sounds like he's going to focus on building his hockey operations team before he worries about tinkering with the lineup. He's, he's admitted he's gotten trade calls and offers already, or at least interests. But he said, I want to see what happens in December and January. And I think he wants to build his staff first before he starts to look at training players. Yeah. And I think that's the right approach, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, it's, it's a team you're not really familiar with. It's players you're not really familiar with, right? Like if, if you were someone completely on the outside, you might've joined the team and like, okay, well, I've heard that JT Miller's bad in the room and we're, we already got some <laughs> calls on JT Miller. Okay. Maybe this is a move we make right off the bat, right? Try to heal the room. When yes. in reality, that would probably be a terrible move 
uh, right now. Right. Um, so I, I think, you know, that's definitely the right play to wait it out, um, get familiar with the team and bring in a supporting cast. Right. We they got rid of, of Chris Gear and Jonathan Wall this week. Mm-hmm. Um, which seem to have been Aquilini decisions uh, entirely. Right. And and Jim Rutherford seems to really not be backing Aquilini at all during this process. I was like, you have to ask Francesco about <laughs> yeah, that. that was... I didn't, I, I never met those guys. He uh, literally was, passed the buck. <laughs> yeah. And I thought that was really odd considering that Chris Gear was named as like one, someone on the AGM squad before Rutherford joined three days later. And they're like, all right, by the way, uh, <laughs> you're, uh, that... you're gone. That whole oh, I think. Uh, do you want to give do the recognition of our first ever super chat? Oh, I didn't see. Oh, it just came in now. It came in earlier yeah. for you. Um, yeah, we'll give a shout out to Justin. Uh, does it come in in here? Oh, it does. I can pull it up. Uh, Justin with the ten dollars super chat. Thank you very much, Justin. Yes, that's awesome. Uh, and I love your profile picture with Clay. That's great. Oh, uh, that, that's worth another ten dollars. <laughs> Oh, sorry. <laughs> oh, maybe, I, maybe I have to pay. Maybe I have to pay. Uh, I think that's how it works. Uh, had to rejoin late work. Congrats to both of you for 1K. Keep up the great Canucks content here and on both of your channels as well. 1K subs, Bruce. There it is. Go Canucks, go. Thank awesome. you very much, Justin. Um, Back to, to Rutherford. Where were we? What were we? Oh, we were uh, talking we're, about gear and wall. Yeah, uh, the craziness bit. of those announcements and the timing. and. Yeah, I mean, how do you feel if you're, if you're Chris Gear, right? I mean... <laughs> I mean, we saw it in his uh, in his sort of note that he put on Twitter. No mention of Francesco Aquilini. Keep in mind, he had worked on the in the organization forever, right? Said nothing about the owner who had just fired him, uh, which I thought was kind of interesting. And mm. Chris Gear um, at least made it seem on his end, uh, you know, in his in his posting that that he was uh, a very he was like the RFA contract guy, which is a position that. Even if it's not true, it's one you'd like to put yourself in because their RFA contracts have been better cool. than their UFA contracts, right? You did a great job. So, so he can, if he can plausibly deny that that was his doing, um, <laughs> or probably say that was his doing, like, yeah, own it, right? Uh, so that's what what he sort of said and and things like that. And then Jonathan Wall, we didn't hear anything from, but he was sort of the analytics guy. Yes. Um, which I don't know. Does that mean anything? Like his, the Canucks haven't been like very analytics focused. It seems right. We've never heard Jim Benning talk about the analytics or anything like that. So I don't know. Did he, did he, did he do all that much? Like did Jim uh, Benning, did, like, I'm sure he did work every day, but did Jim yeah. Benning listen to what he said anyways? I don't know. Right. That's a fair way to put it. And I, I, yes, we'll give Jonathan wall. certainly the benefit of the doubt. I mm-hmm. even, but even if he told Benning what to say, I don't think Benning would be able to articulate honestly. Like right. if you're trying to explain and they got Ryan beach in there, a former writer. And so I think uh, Ryan beach is good with that analytics. So who knows? And maybe, maybe the GM that they bring in is going to be a heavy analytics driven guy. We'll see. But yes, I, I just think Parker, it was crazy. Cause you, when they made the changes and when they let go of Benning and Wisebrod, they talked about this five man thing of, of mm-hmm. Ryan Johnson, Chris gear, Stan Smeal and the Sedins. And then three days later, one of those guys is gone. One of those guys is not the interim GM anymore, even though, uh, yeah, yeah, even though they haven't hired their permanent one, he was replaced by another interim GM. So a little bit strange, a little bit strange. And then you get Smeal going on TV, basically trying to sort it all out in real time as he's being interviewed. It was, it was crazy. It was a weird week. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, this organization's always been a little messy, right? Like, I think, I think that's fair to say. Uh, they don't really do things by the, you know, they're not very organized, <laughs> it feels like. 
right? Yeah. Whether it's the the firings of uh, Green and Benning getting leaked um, well before them putting a release out at like 10.30 p.m. or whatever it was, right? Like uh, all the way to this. It's just been, it seems like they're just sort of like chasing the news cycle. Um, but it at least makes things a little entertaining for us. And it's such a, whether it's a juxtaposition or whatever word you want to call it, that they seem so focused and structured on the ice and yet you have all this weird stuff off the ice and it's not bad it's not scandalous it's just strange it really is yeah it is just strange <laughs> um anything else you want to talk about on the on the rutherford side i mean i'm sure you listened to his his availability today i did um, yeah i just um, read some of the tweets afterwards sure uh, you know one one thing i will bring up parker is when he talked about assessing the talent Without prompting, he mentioned Thatcher Demko right away. He mentioned Thatcher Demko and he said, we have an elite goaltender. He said, a, t- a good team, a contending team starts with an elite goaltender and we have that. And he didn't rattle off the contract numbers. We know it's f- this is f- you're number one out of five at five million, which is already awesome. a steal. <laughs> right. And then the next question was about Hughes and Petey. And he, really quickly, Parker, he said for Hughes, he goes, there's a, all different types of defensemen. You don't have to be the big rugged guy, clear the front of the net anymore. He goes, if you're can, if you good enough to skate to the puck and get it out of the zone before the offense does, that's a good defenseman. So he goes, we have one in, in Hughes. He didn't call me elite, but he, he was basically saying how good he was. And then for Petey, he said, he's coming around. He'll be fine. I have no worries about him. So those are the three guys that he spoke about specifically. That makes sense. You're probably your three cornerstones right now. Mm-hmm. And he mentioned, you know, one of his big things was, or the thing that got a lot of play was he's like, yeah, we're not trading any high picks, right? We're not trading any first or second round picks because this team's not in a state to do that. Now, keep mm-hmm. in mind, the Canucks have done that twice uh, <laughs> under Jim yeah. Benning in the last couple of years. So I don't know, do with that what you will. But, yeah. you know, he's sort of come in here and been like, all right, yeah, no, they're not ready. You know, let's yeah. let's not let's keep those first rounders for a little bit. Yeah. Um, which I thought was was kind of funny. And Without throwing Benning under the bus, he kind of he he talked about the challenging salary cap situation that the Canucks are in. Basically, dollar in for dollar out. It's it's not like you can bring in a superstar on a big contract because you have no money to do so. So that's going to be very challenging just to get out from underneath that problem, especially as they want to build and and who knows what's going to happen. Uh, I'm, man, I'm so fascinated to see what happens when it comes close to the trade deadline. If the Canucks are knocking on the door, do you stay the course and not wreck anything? Do you actually? Say realistically, we're not going to go that far and uh, try and recoup assets, or do you go the other way? Which I I don't know if he's going to do, but he likes to trade. This yeah, is the true trader, Jim. Trade. I yeah. saw I was reading an article. I think it was from oh, what's his name, the guy who covers the Penguins for the Athletic. Oh yeah, um, yeah. Um, I, I I he's not going to see this, so I guess I shouldn't feel too bad about forgetting <laughs> his name. Uh, it's like is it? It's like Travis something. I think Travis okay. Yo something. I don't know. Either way, he he had a good article on like what the Canucks should expect from Jim Rutherford, okay. and he had a, he put a stat out there. He's like over Jim Rutherford's like seven year tenure with the Pittsburgh Penguins, he averaged one trade per month, <laughs> like twelve trades a year, consistently. Right? That's what like eighty four trades in seven years. That's a ton. That's two rosters. That's two. That's like almost two 50 man rosters yeah. in that seven years, just of trades alone. So wow. it'll be exciting. Awesome. Scary, but it'll be exciting. Uh, all right. Do we want to take some questions? We have 13 minutes left here. Was there any sure, other topics you want to hit on before we, um, there any other Canucks stuff? I don't think there is much. Okay. 
Um, so this is a good time for you guys to get your questions in, uh, questions, topics, things that you want us to talk about. Um, Clay, I know you've been sort of keeping up with the chat a little bit, um, over yeah, this actually, time. Actually, let's do, before we do, um, questions, are you worried about COVID vis-a-vis Calgary, Carolina Olympics, just overall, are we on yeah. the cusp of something bad? Yeah, I think what we've, I mean, from what we've heard of like the new variant that's going around, it's like less bad, but more transmissible, which is one of those <laughs> things that it, if, you know, everything's based on number of cases, uh, things are going to get dicey, right? You know, we had Carolina have to leave a few players. I know Seth Jarvis was one of them uh, having to stay in Vancouver because of COVID. Um, and he played mm-hmm. last night. Great. Um, awesome. Right. So that's, that's a worry. <laughs> Um, and they had just gotten it from Calgary seemingly. So I wouldn't, you know, I would be a little nervous. Now the Canucks play a home game next, right? They play, uh, a home game tomorrow against Columbus, but then they travel to the States. They go to, to San Jose on Thursday. That's where I get a little worried. Um, as for the Olympics, my confidence in things going well, there has fallen off a cliff. Um, and I, I had a, I had a banner for this, uh, because it it is, cause I was going to talk about it, but we kind of ran a little low on time, but we'll still sort of touch on it. Sure. Um, the, I, like someone asked me last night, um, do you think Demko will go and be like the starter for TMUSA? And I said, I hope not. (laughs) Right. It would be great. And it would be cool. But for what we're hearing, if you test positive, it's between three and five weeks potentially that you have to quarantine in China. Right. Let's say, let's say like you get, you test positive, like right near the end. end, Like, let's say like semifinals, you test positive and you have to spend five weeks. You have to spend all of March. Yeah. Right. This is, this is the stretch, right? If the Canucks are at all in it, that's the stretch. Those are the games you need. Thatcher Demko, Elias Patterson, um, you know, Quinn Hughes, Brock Besser, JT Miller. Like you need all of those guys to be in your lineup. Uh, And, you know, that's scary. Can you imagine if, and I don't believe in jinxes superstition, so don't come back to me if something bad happens and say it was because of me. I don't believe in that stuff. But can you imagine if the big five make the U.S. team? They, they All five won't, but imagine Hughes, Besser, Garland, Miller, and Demko all there. And you're right, not playing until the end of March. <laughs> yeah, it's it would be a disaster. It, it would cripple any team. Yes. Right. So that's that is a, a big worry of mine. And it's, it's up to the to the players individually. So, yeah, I yep. we're going to see if they don't get that straightened out and get it down to like a week uh, or like private charters back and you're fine. Mm-hmm. Um, then, yeah, things are it's not going to happen, which is sad um, yeah. because I've been very excited for for some good Olympic hockey. 2018 just didn't feel the same, did it? No, it was terrible. <laughs> Um, all right. Questions, questions, questions. Uh, wow. Yeah, there's a, a lot. Yeah. There's been a lot about, uh, Bruce. There it is. Your thoughts. That's fun. Have some Me fun. Yep. Uh, I, the, the team's being good. Team's having fun. Let's have some fun. Yep. Um, do we want to do our predictions for the week? Sure. All right. Predictions for the week. We have four games. We have Columbus tomorrow night at home, San yep. Jose on the road, Toronto and Arizona back to back let's start columbus canucks tomorrow night do they make it five in a row what did you predict last week i'm not i'm asking i can't remember if you predicted i know i went positive i must have i don't know i i i feel like i might have said 
three and oh to be dumb, but I also might have said one and two. Um, so I have no recollection of it. Okay, we'll look it up later. It's fine. Yeah. Um, okay. So tomorrow night, win. Columbus, Vancouver, win. you're saying a win. I'm going to yeah. go on the same page. I, I think I think Columbus isn't going to be the team to break it. Uh, I think they either lose tomorrow and win against San Jose or they win both. I, I mean, San Jose, I'm just saying it's a win. They're going to go to San Jose. They're going to win San Jose. So we're both at 2-0 and so far. Here's where it gets tricky. They have Toronto, the best team in the league right now, um, on Saturday, 4 p.m., perfect mm. time for Toronto to play hockey. Um, and then they have Arizona the next day. So it's a back-to-back, which means you're mm. playing Demko in one, you're playing Halak in one. I want to start with this question. Who do you start in each game? You go Demko on Saturday night. See, yeah, so that's that's like the easy answer. But what if you mind game it and say, well, we're probably going to lose against Toronto anyways. We don't want Halak blowing the Arizona game. We don't want to get lit up by Louis Erickson. Right. Uh, so there, I know you're trying to draw a conversation, but there are three things you said wrong there. <laughs> Number one, no, not <laughs> wrong. Yeah, I don't, I hope we that you're wrong. Blown up by Louis Erickson, that Halak's going to be a lot worse than Demko. And I can't remember the first. So I, I understand that reasoning is almost, you'd think that Demko is a guaranteed win against Arizona. And you think no matter who you play potentially in against Toronto, that you're going to lose. So why not save Demko? But maybe, maybe if the Canucks win on Columbus, Columbus and San Jose, they're playing with such confidence. There are six in a row now, eight of the last nine that they're going to knock off Toronto. Although if you're forcing me to make a prediction that I believe in my heart of hearts, I think they lose to Toronto as much as that would pain me and that they beat Arizona. So I'm going three and one for this week. I agree there. I, I think the one way they lose to uh, the one way they beat Toronto is, is Demko just stopping yep. like 39 of 40. <laughs> and I think that's their win condition. Um, I would, I would, I could see them going two and two. I could see them dropping this game to Columbus. Maybe Yeah. Um, I'm going to say they're either three and one or two, one and one. Um, okay. I could see that Columbus game going to OT or a shootout. We had so many shootouts lately uh, yeah. that I wouldn't be too, too surprised. Yeah, Columbus is uh, okay. They're they've dropped a bit, twenty nine points in twenty six games. Exact opposite of us, we're twenty six points in twenty nine games. And then who else we got? San Jose. They're falling a little bit, right? Yeah, we're we're catching two teams going the opposite direction from good. the Canucks here. But Toronto is is so hot right now. Yes, yes, they they are a good team. And then Arizona is the worst in the league. So, okay, yeah, I like your two one and one. I'll, I'll I'll turn up the optimistic meter, the optimist meter a little bit, and go three and one. I think that's fair. It's been fun, though. It sure has been. Um, yeah. Let's see. What other questions do we got here? Yeah, actually, there are a bunch. Then we just skipped all of them, but that's okay. Can I'm you... scrolling through. I'm trying to catch them, <laughs> um, but I am struggling a little bit. Um, okay. Uh, How about uh, are you okay jumping up all the way to like 10 48 PM or that's so? around when I'm looking still. Yeah. Okay. What do you want? Give Let's go. A... Um, Oh, I saw it. Mark King, Besser spelling. Sorry. Is he gone? Do the contract issues and cap at 10? Yeah, you got it. Um, I'll start. So. Because I, oh, go actually, ahead. Really no, go ahead. Nope. No, it's all you. Is he gone during due to contract issues and cap? If you look at Besser 7.5 qualifying offer, if you look at Miller and Horvat, likely due for seven, six and a half to seven million dollar contracts as well. I don't know. I don't think you can pay all three guys seven million, seven and a half million. I, I do think one of them has to go. Miller. I think we talked about this last week. Miller would be such an attractive option for a team. I don't think you trade Horvat as your two C and as your captain. 
<sighs> Bester's the tricky one because his game's starting to to ramp up now. Okay, I got to make a decision. Is he gone? I'm gonna say no. I agree. the 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 answer here is JT Miller, and it's yeah. it's just age. Like that's literally it. Yeah. Because I think you get similar returns for each of them. To be honest. Yep. Um, and, and I think Besser is, is more valuable down the road. Um, and it really comes down to, um, JT Miller is on a really attractive contract that he will get a big raise from after next season. Mm -hmm. Um, so you can ride this whole season out and you can trade him after he'll still have a lot of value. Or if things fall apart, you can trade him at the deadline and get a haul for a team that wants to make a playoff run for the next two seasons, right? Yes. I think it's so much easier to move Miller than it is. And it's easier to sell moving Miller than it is to, to move Besser. Mm -hmm. I, I agree with you. I think that's a good take for sure. For sure. That is my opinion. Um, let's see here. Uh, oh, Rob talking about Pedersen's stick. Uh, how we got the manufacturing issue from Bauer. Can we sue Bauer? Can can Francesco go after Bauer hockey? Um, I'll be honest. I own a lot of Bauer hockey gear. Yeah, uh, I, I'm gonna throw it all out. I'm gonna burn all of it because uh, they they've cost the Canucks their season. So uh, the long and short of it, he said that he thought that he got much stronger, but he's he just he's just been hitting stick. the gym too hard. You know, he was like, ah, I've just been getting so jacked that these yeah. sticks are too flimsy now. Um, no, it turns out Bauer just had a bad run, <laughs> which is so funny. That's so funny that he wouldn't be like, man, the stick feels weird. Like, maybe I'll call my Bauer rep or something, right? Like, you think that might be an option? No, it's like, no, nah, I've, I've been you know, I've been in the yeah. gym. I've been rehabbing my wrist so well that I'm just... Yeah. yeah, so many wrist curls. Like, I'm just, oh, I've got, I just got so much snap going here. Love it. How I about the ones, really the two below it? Edmund, do you think the Flames and the Oilers will cool down? So... If you had to pick one of these two teams, who who would the Canucks have a better chance of catching? Man, I think Calgary's Calgary is looking better right now. Yeah, but man, I I have so much trouble betting against Drysdale McDavid yeah. because yeah, lost, they are lost five in a row. They are struggling right now. Yeah, but I mean, I what I I mean, a week from now we're going to be talking about how McDavid has twelve points in his last four games again, <laughs> and they're and they're on a big run, right? Like. I think the the Oilers' biggest issue is goaltending, and yeah. that's something the Flames have down. Right, the Flames have Markstrom and uh, Vladar, who have been excellent uh, for them. Uh, if the Oilers can get some good goaltending, and their defense can shore up a bit, and they can just let McDavid and Drysaddle each score two goals a game, they'll be doing great. Um, I think I think they're going to be. I, I my my worry is that they're both going to do just good enough to sort of mm. stay above each other and sort of trade wins back and forth and both finish with like 95 points, uh, which could give the Canucks some, some issues. Yeah. I, I think if you're, if you're hoping the Canucks make the playoffs, I think those are two teams. I'm not sure if those are the two teams you're, you're catching, but then if you don't think Vegas is going to falter, but they're only going to get better then you need Anaheim to fall. It's gotta be Anaheim, but they're at the top now. It's crazy. They're at the top, but they have, they've played a lot more games, right? They've played yeah. four more games than Edmonton has, and they have five True. more points. Yeah, okay. Um, that's fair. And if there's any, I mean, you know, uh, Anaheim, I, they've been really good, but I just, I still, I'm not buying in, uh, to this Anaheim team. I mean, John Gibson's great. Troy Terry has been excellent. Zegers has been crazy. Yes. Um, but man, I, I just, I, I could see them falling off. I'm with you. Okay. Canucks 
to catch the Ducks for the wild card spot. You heard it here. They're first. only eleven points back with a game in hand. The Canucks <laughs> have a game in hand, hand. Yes, so it's that's... like it's like nine points back. It's oh, a guaranteed yeah. win. Easy. Oh, that's great. Um, <laughs> uh, Raro saying, if the Canucks were going to make a push for the wild card, who would we even hope to face? Well, you're hoping to get wild card spot wild card two right that's that's what you're shooting for right you're trying to sneak in and get wild card two which means you are playing the top of the conference <laughs> which right now would be minnesota yeah. uh it could be it could very well be colorado by then uh colorado 16 7 and 2 it could be yeah. st louis uh it's probably not gonna be nashville i don't think um but i mean you know you're looking at one of like the wild or the avalanche or if Vegas goes on a run right once Eichel's in or something, you know, that could be an option as well. Exactly. There's two parts to this question because we have to realistically say, well, who's going to finish at the top of each of the two divisions, right? Because you're going to have to face the the one of those two teams. And then once you establish that is who will the Canucks have the best chance against? I, I would say I I don't know. Minnesota's good, but they don't I know Kaprizov's good, but they don't scare me, man. I don't know. Have we played? Yeah, this year? yeah. The wild, they're the wild are weird because it's <laughs> they've just they haven't been great ever. Yeah, yeah. like literally ever. Um, the wild beat the Canucks three two on October twenty sixth. Okay, seems like um, different. Which was yeah. years ago. Alex Chase on yeah. scored that game. Um, by the way, oh. so to let you know what era that was. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't see Minnesota staying there. I, I Colorado is on a four-game winning streak. They yep. are on an absolute heater. They have 109 goals in 25 games. They're averaging more, like, more than four goals a game. Uh, tops in the league by a good chunk. Uh, although Minnesota awesome. has 106 goals in 28 games. That's crazy. Um, yeah, wow. I, I, you know, I could see it being something like the Avs for sure. Yep, that's fair. Um, that's fair. And then we probably have time for one more. Maybe sure. Two. Um, Edmund asks on a scale of one to 10, how confident are you with the Rutherford Boudreaux era? Now this is kind of tricky because I think these eras actually they're both, I was going to see these eras probably don't fully overlap, but Rutherford's pretty old. You know, it could, it could be like three years of each of them really. Yeah. He signed for three and then Boudreaux has the two. One of them's an option, but I, 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 he's He's going to, yeah, he'll be here. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean let's assume it's the next couple of years, right? Okay. I mean, so far we have had no reason to have much doubt, right? Other yeah. than the past, right? We have Boudreaux's past of being a great regular season coach who collapses in the playoffs. Uh, we have Rutherford's record of having sort of middling teams that have these random runs where they win cups. Um, that sounds good to me with what we've seen so far. Um, I'm going to say I'm sitting at a, at a good seven and a half right now, man. That's why we get along so well. And that's why we have a, a good show. I was actually thinking the exact same number, but for the sake of conversation, I'll give it an eight. <laughs> my, my only fear is who gets hired as GM. Yes. Um, that could sway the that's, number. That's sure. the big fear, right? Like we've heard so many scary names, right? If it's a Mark Bergevin, I, I drop to a four. If it is, if it's a Jason, if it's Botterill, I drop to a zero. <laughs> uh, if it's if it's you know one of these you know up and coming like a Chris McFarland from from Colorado is sort of the one name that that gets pushed yep. a lot. 
then I'm up to like an eight, eight and a half, right? Mm -hmm. it, it's, it, it really depends on that because I'm really scared of Rutherford who has said he has 40 GM candidates today. Yes. If it's, I mean, I, I'm sure Baudrill's on that list and that's scary to me um, because it's, I don't want anyone who's touched Buffalo uh, to be frank. Yeah. Skinner contract 40, 40 potential GM candidates all grouped in different tiers and different. So maybe Botterill's in his own tier as in, yeah, let's not go after this guy. We'll see. I, I like, hope. I like Chris. Mc, yeah. I like Chris McFarland. There's a guy I've been mean, talking about named Eric Tulski out of Carolina. Mm -hmm. Who's uh, a big uh, analytics guy. Well, so yeah, anyone that fits that kind of profile, a little bit younger than Boudreaux and Rutherford would be nice. Yeah. We have, <laughs> we have very, we have a very old front office right now. You know, if yeah. we can get a guy in his like in his fifties, <laughs> You know, literally 15 years younger than either of them, um, then that might be good. Um, Not a lot of hair in our front office right now. No, no. Um, yeah, I think I think that's a big thing, right? I want someone who who because if you have if you have 32 GMs and they all think the game the same way, you're never going to get an edge. Right? right. If it's a bunch of it's a, if it's a bunch of 70 year old men who all want big body, you know, uh, John Tortorella, don't flip the puck over the net because that's bad for the game. You know these, you know th yeah. this sort of thing. It's like, well, you need to do something different. There's, there's so many teams that try to chase the model of whoever won the Stanley Cup, right? Yeah. We had Jim Benning basically try to replicate Boston and St. Louis, right? Oh. Big body, big hitting, physical, Eric Branson style hockey. Oh. Um, but it's like, but every time that happens the team that then wins is an entirely different breed and then you're always sort of chasing and try to we want i want someone innovative someone yeah. who's going to try new things who's going to do something interesting and hopefully um put a team together that can win some hockey games amen let's do one last one to wind up and i think we can help shannon go to 1102 p.m please what are you talking about when you say wild card um, shannon really quickly there's two divisions in the west there's the pacific and there's the central, the top three teams in each division make it. So there you have six of your eight teams. And then the next two best teams in either of the two divisions, they are wild card one and wild card two. We don't have to worry about who gets to play who. All you need to know is that's why it could be one division could have five teams and one division could have three, or it could be a four, four split. It depends on that. It's the seventh and eighth best teams in the conference. Is that fair to say, Parker? Yep. That sounds yep. good to me. Okay. Awesome. We are going to wrap up there, folks. While you're here, hit the subscribe button, hit the like button. Let's let's bump those numbers even higher. We hit 1K, mm. which was great. Uh, we appreciate you guys for that. Let's get those like numbers up. If you enjoyed the show, uh, hit like, obviously. And you can find us both online everywhere. Uh, I'm Parker's Pucks on YouTube, Parker's Pucks on Twitter. He's Canuck Clay on YouTube, Canuck Clay on Twitter. It's all linked below. Just go click click all those links. Do Do that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. um we both you know i i do videos after or streams after every game clay does videos basically every day there's so much content between the two of us that uh if you don't want to only see us once a week on mondays you can find us uh everywhere else clay any parting words uh from tonight's show well parker this is definitely the dawn of a new era and we've had two back-to-back -back shows with a lot of engagement a lot of viewership we got our first donation tonight thank you just incredible I think things are looking up not only for us, but more importantly for the team that we love to talk about. And uh, there's a good energy right now and let's keep it going. But um, I'm happy you're feeling better too. You're kind of like the Canucks. You you kind of hit your low, but now you're, you're coming back up and um, I'm excited. I'm excited. And we who's who knows what kind of mood we're going to be in next Monday. 
but I'm, I'm hoping it's, it's still a really good mood. Absolutely. And while you guys are still here, if you're listening on an audio platform like Apple mm. Podcasts, leave us a five-star review. Uh, shout out Tiger, who's in the chat right now, left us a five-star review a couple of weeks ago nice. uh, saying, great up-and-coming show with two knowledgeable hosts of good chemistry, also excellent interaction with viewers slash listeners on multiple platforms. Thank you, Tiger. We appreciate it. Um, yeah, go leave us a five-star review. Those help us out a ton. Uh, and if you missed any part of the show, you can rewind back to the beginning here on YouTube. You can find it on your favorite podcast platform in about 20, 30 minutes, all that good stuff. All right, that's it from us. Have a good night, and we will see you uh, next week.